Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Hot damn, folks. Hot damn is all I gotta say coming off one of the greatest all-around weeks in recent WWE history. This is Wrestle Rant Radio for July 28th, 2016. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, coming off... An amazing Battleground pay-per-view on Sunday night. One of the greatest Raw episodes I have seen all year, if not the single greatest Raw episode. I'll, I'll go on record and say it, the greatest Raw of 2016 to date. Uh, a very enjoyable edition of SmackDown Live on Tuesday night, NXT on Wednesday, just yesterday. Just an amazing week start to finish. And I know it is yet to finish. we got Impact Wrestling tonight and uh, so many other things going on in the world of wrestling right now. But... All things considered, Battleground Raw, NXT, SmackDown Live, a great week. And no better time to break it all down than today on WrestleRant Radio, our only second episode ever on Thursdays, and it's another jam-packed edition. I'm probably not going to go beyond the hour mark again. Maybe last week I think I went beyond maybe like by 10 minutes or so. But I want to keep the episode as... You know, as brief as possible in terms of keeping it to as close to an hour as possible. I don't like going over time unless I have to. Usually I do if I have a guest or so or if we're doing an interview. But today, since it's just me reviewing the past week in the world of wrestling, specifically the WWE, of course, um, we're going to try to keep it as close to an hour as possible. But like I said, this is WrestleRant Radio, our only second week ever on Thursdays, coming off what was a uh, new intro here on the show. I debuted last week. RJ did not like it, or at least some parts of it, so I went ahead and redid the entire intro. So the intro you heard at the start of the show last week is the only time you'll hear those sequence of clips played prior to WrestleRant Radio here on the show. Uh, I-, I redid every single clip. The all-new intro that has debuted on today's show is completely different from what you heard last week. So that intro will never be heard again. I like this version a lot better, so hopefully you guys do as well. We'd love to hear your feedback on the social media platforms, on Twitter, at WrestleRant, on Facebook, at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Stay tuned to all these social media links, platforms, whatever, for uh, further breaking news and uh, an exciting announcement coming soon in regards to my future in writing, specifically one site. Um, I won't say any more than that, but more news on that front coming soon in the next couple days. Hopefully today, by the time this show drops, maybe the news have already broke. I've already broken the news on my Twitter page, but either way, stay tuned to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, MySpace, Gmail, AIM, everything, guys, uh, for all the latest updates on the happenings in my life and the entire world of wrestling. So speaking of which, like I said, just an amazing week in wrestling. Let's waste no further time. Let's get to Battleground from Sunday night, and we'll work our way to just Wednesday's NXT. Like I said, I won't spend an amazing amount of time on each show. Uh, Next week, I might go more in-depth with each match and segment and all these other things, but there was just so much to get off my chest. And I feel like, not that I've done it to death, that I've talked about it to death, but I've really gone in-depth in talking about this new era that WWE has been not shoving down our throats, but has been proclaiming for weeks and weeks and weeks and even months coming out of WrestleMania 32 that the new era was upon us. 
but I honestly thought that the new era had officially arrived this past week with Monday Night Raw. And I remember distinctly talking about it with Tom many months ago, probably in the first ever episode of WWEC Radio. And even if it wasn't that show, I remember it was a couple months later, there's a clip on the channel somewhere, on the YouTube channel, of us talking about, is it really a new era? And I even wrote an article about it just two months ago, how it is a new era in WWE. But it was never more evident than it was on Monday night. With the, I mean, we'll get to Raw in a little bit. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I just do want to emphasize the fact that I've been talking about it all week. I don't want to repeat myself. I talked about it in articles about how WWE truly is entering a new era. And uh, I was... Uh, another cheap plug before we get started here. I was on the uh, the Cruise Control podcast with one Randy Cruz, an amazing analyst, tremendous tweeter, and a great guy. Uh, be sure to follow him on the Twitter machine at, I believe it's RJ Cruz, Randy Cruz. Just search it up on the Twitter machine and be sure to follow him. He will be in SummerSlam uh, in Brooklyn for SummerSlam weekend as well in just three more weeks from this upcoming weekend, so I can't wait to see him there, hopefully. But uh, be sure to check out my appearance on a show from just yesterday. We talked all about this stuff and much more. Uh, Raw, SmackDown, Battleground, all this other great stuff. So be sure to check out my appearance on his show from yesterday as well on his Twitter page, and I'm sure I retweeted it by this point as well. So Battleground on Sunday night. Before I get into all the new era stuff, Let's start with the old era first in terms of a battleground review from Sunday night, July 24th. An amazing show. Honestly, I tweeted out after the show ended that it was a tremendous show, and in my opinion, the greatest pay-per-view that WWE has done all year. And I feel like I've said that with every pay-per-view that has passed. The Rumble, let's, let's quickly recap here. I thought the Rumble was really, really good. Um, kind of underrated in a way. I feel like it was a great show, then people kind of forgot about it after a while just because WrestleMania was right around the corner. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but I thought the Royal Rumble was an amazing show. Fastlane, kind of what you would expect. Very predictable, mediocre show. WrestleMania was probably the most controversial show all year in that I really enjoyed it. Not to say it was a great show. It was more about moments than moving forward towards the future. But still, an enjoyable show in my opinion. Some people might not agree. Certainly not as great as WrestleMania's 30 or 31. But still, a lot better than 27 or 29. I'll say that much. So uh, I enjoyed that. Extreme Rules, up to that point, in my opinion, was the best pay-per-view did all year. Or not Extreme Rules. Uh, payback, I thought, was excellent. Extreme Rules was just as good, if not better. Money in the Bank, up to that point last month, was WWE's greatest pay-per-view outing of 2016. And Battleground trumped them all. I thought Bra Battleground, while not a perfect show, there really is no such thing as a perfect show in WWE in 2016. I would argue maybe Raw was. I would argue Raw might have been a perfect show. But in terms of pay-per-views, there is bound to be one filler match, match that doesn't you know meet or exceed expectations or even come close. There were a few of those matches on this show, but it was by no means a disappointing, a bad, a lackluster show. I thought overall it was an exceptional event with amazing in-ring action, some great stories told, and like I said earlier, it was really the end of the old era in WWE, and I thought it closed out that chapter wonderfully. I mean, I thought the main event for the WWE World Championship, as WWE is now calling it, not the WWE World Heavyweight Championship or simply the WWE Championship, it is now the WWE World Championship. Don't ask me. I'll talk more about that later when we talk about the 
very uh, controversial name of the WWE Universal Championship in my Raw review coming up. Uh, but no better way to close out the old era than with the Shield triple threat that have pretty much dominated the previous era in WWE for the past four years um, as, adversa- as adversaries, as tag team partners. But even before that, the kickoff show saw Brazongo defeat the Usos in a fun little match. Brazongo, I could not care less about, to be quite honest with you. They're great athletes. I love Tyler Breeze. Do not give two shits about, uh, about um, what's his name? Fucking Fondango, I forgot about him for a second. I mean, they're great wrestlers, but the team itself, I think they could be doing a lot more with Tyler Breeze right now, but I understand they need tag teams at the moment for two separate shows, so I understand the, the move to keep them together for, for the uh, foreseeable future. But that said, I thought they had a really good match here. Easily my favorite match of theirs since they started teaming a few months ago. Anything is better than their series of matches, their never-ending series of matches with Golden Truth, so um, I won't complain about that. Uh, and the Usos look good here, too. Maybe they're turning them heel soon. I'd be all in favor of that. They've been in desperate need of some sort of character change for a long-ass time now. We're really hurt by the fact that they were associated with Roman Reigns for as long as they were. I understand they're real-life cousins, but the fact that they've been teaming on and off for months does not really help the Usos' stock at all in the eyes of the fans. Uh, not, that, not to say that Roman sucks or anything, but he's just not the biggest fan favorite in the company right now, so... Anyone associated with uh, the Usos, or rather with Roman Reigns, is going to suffer, and that was certainly the case with the Usos over the past six or seven or eight months. But anyway, a good match in the kickoff show. Probably one of the better kickoff matches I've seen in a long-ass time, to be quite honest with you. Uh, The opener of the show saw Sasha Banks and her mystery partner, drumroll please, Bailey, the debuting Bailey take on Charlotte and Dana Brooke, defeat that duo to score the victory with uh, Sasha Banks forcing Charlotte to tap out to the bank statement. Great match, really, really fun shit. I mean, a lot of people going, and I talked about it here in the show last week, about how Bailey was the number one obvious choice, and how I said that I would wait until the night after WrestleMania to bring up Bailey, and not WrestleMania, that's way too long, until the night after SummerSlam. I would have actually brought up the night after WrestleMania many months ago, but they wanted to hold off on it. Maybe it was for the better, actually, in the end, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. But at any rate, I said how I would wait until the night after SummerSlam. I would save it, the title change for SummerSlam as well with Sasha beating Charlotte, which they did on Raw, which I'll talk about momentarily, which I was not really against. But uh, anyway, so I would have done Bailey's debut that night, but it, it worked out in the end, and I would have had Paige team with Sasha. But I feel like if it was anyone but Bailey, like there was some speculation that it was going to be Lita. Not by the, even before the pre show panelists said, oh, it might be Lita. Obviously, by that point, when they say it might be Lita, it might be Nikki Bella. It's definitely not going to be Nikki Bella, and it's definitely not going to be Lita. They're not going to spoil a surprise like that, and it was obviously Bailey instead. Um, that said, though, I mean, even if it was like Lita wrestling her first match in nearly a decade, I saw some people on social media saying, oh, that's cool. Like, this is Lita, like one of the greatest of all time. If they're not going to get excited over Lita wrestling for the first time in nearly 10 years... No one's going to get a, as big of a reaction as Bailey would have, and I'm glad they went with her. Um, they, they noted on commentary JBL's sources, whoever his sources might be. And it's funny, too, because Michael Cole would always say his sources tell him this, and JBL always say, you know always calls him out on his quote-unquote sources. Now JBL has, source of his, has sources of his own. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was funny. So uh, Bailey comes out, and oh, the point I was trying to make was that J- JBL said that uh, Bailey's debut here was a one-off. Not that she'll never be brought up the main roster, not to say that, but uh, for people to basically not expect her on Raw the next night. So I'm glad they cleared that up, and I'm, I'm, it's it's for the better. I mean, I know they did the whole title change in Raw, an amazing match, which we'll talk about momentarily. But I'm glad they're holding off. She obviously had her big debut here. 
It resulted in a magical moment. I have long awaited Bailey's main roster debut. She's been in NXT for over three years at this point. She had her first NXT TV match against Charlotte, and Charlotte's first NXT TV match was against Bailey almost exactly three years ago. Uh, this month, actually. So I thought it was really cool the way she was introduced. She got an amazing pop, easily the biggest reaction of the night. So uh, great shit there. Really, really fun match. Like I said, you could just see the smile on Sasha's face. It was the most adorable thing ever to see her smiling, to see her uh, hugging Bailey during, after, before the match, and just playing to the crowd. It was an amazing side of Sasha that we don't normally see. I think the boss character is great. Uh, she's a great wrestler. Sasha is the perfect package, pretty much. But I feel like her ill-defined character is her only weakness right now. I mean, I think it's a good character. We know she's worked her way to the top and being a fan her entire life. All that is well and good. But the boss persona, as we saw in NXT, is better as a heel. Not to say that she's that she should be heel right now or that she shouldn't be the boss. But we need more of a reason to like Sasha Banks. I know she's gorgeous. She's great, like I said. But I feel like storyline-wise, we need more character development from Banks. Besides that, she's golden. Uh, but that being said, the point I'm trying to make is that we saw a side of that likability in, in Sasha Banks. Sometimes when she cuts her promos, she's a great talker and whatnot. But she can come off a bit cocky or dislikable or detestable, depending on you know who she's talking to and what she's talking about. But And she always shows great fire in her promos but sometimes it depends what she's saying so it kind of makes her come off like a heel sometimes but anyway the point i'm trying to make is that when she's with bailey whether as opponents but specifically as partners as we saw here she is just on point and she is the most likable woman on the roster i mean bailey no you can't hate bailey she's not everyone's cup of tea but by and large, ever since her match with Sasha, coincidentally enough, last August, she has really been winning over the masses. And she was over even prior to that point, but I feel like there was a lot of people. I know several of several people, actually, that were not really all that high on Bailey at all before that bout in Brooklyn last year. And she really turned heads with that, with that performance and has really been you know, riding a massive wave of momentum ever since then. So a fun match to kick off Battleground. I'm glad they're holding off Bailey's main roster debut for a while anyway, give her her title rematch at TakeOver against Asuka, have her lose, and then come up on Raw or SmackDown or whatever. SmackDown obviously needs Bayley more than Raw would, but I guess at that same on that same note, bringing her up to Raw ASAP to feud with Charlotte or with Sasha or whoever uh, makes perfect sense from a storyline standpoint, so considering what we saw here. So I wouldn't really have an issue with it either way. I would prefer Raw just because I'll probably be at Raw through SummerSlam in Brooklyn, and I really want to see that live. But at any rate, um, I think it's cool that Bailey made her main roster debut here, and it was very well re uh, very well received, nevertheless. After that, we had the Wyatt family taking on the New Day in a surprisingly good match. I thought it would be alright, but coming off the hot opener, and just the feud has been kind of on and off, up and down over the past couple of weeks. This was a really good match. The New Day is always great. The Wyatt family can always be counted on for a really good six-man tag team match. Look no further than The Shield in their matches with Roman Reigns, Jericho, and Dean Ambrose last year, Night of Champions. Uh, this was a really, really good match, and I like the fact that it was more than just a match. It was a storyline told. It was a story told halfway through, or pretty much throughout the entire build for this bout. And we figured this would be the end of the feud, considering the fact that... I mean, I honestly thought it would go on beyond Battleground. I thought it would be a long-running rivalry. And I'm kind of glad it's not. Uh, I mean, it would have been cool to see it continue with the Wyatt family maybe going after the WWE Tag Team titles, which were not on the line here. Um, but I thought overall it was a really good match. Because not only did they have a good match from an in-ring standpoint, 
but the whole chemistry and the dynamic specifically, I guess is the right word to use, between Bray Wyatt and Xavier Woods was amazing. Like, they've been telling us this entire time, or rather showing us, which is even better, that Xavier Woods is petrified. He's, he's afraid of the Wyatt family. Nothing scares him more. And he's been showing some amazing fear, phenomenal fear, throughout this entire feud with the Wyatt family. And after all this time, his fear pretty much just consumed him even throughout this match. But then finally, he broke out of that trance. He went after Wyatt. And it got a big reaction, too, because people recognized that. And they followed the story. They understood it. And that's wrestling at its finest. When you're telling a good story in addition to having a great match. And I really enjoyed this match as a result. The chaotic action um, that that six-man tag team matches normally bring. So like I said, the whole thing with Woods and Wyatt I thought was the highlight of the match. But even in the end, that even that wasn't enough to put away the Wyatt family. Bray Wyatt scored the victory clean to pick up the pay-per-view win. A long overdue uh, pay-per-view win for the Wyatt family, specifically Bray Wyatt. Because when was the last time they won on pay-per-view? I know they won a TLC, and I know Wyatt was obviously on the shelf for a few months. He wasn't at Extreme Rules or Money in the Bank or Payback, but uh, he didn't he didn't even wrestle at WrestleMania. They lost at Fastlane to Ryback, Big Show, and Kane for whatever God knows what reason. They lost at the Rumble in the Royal Rumble match. They beat the ECW Originals at TLC. Lost to the Brothers of Destruction at Survivor Series. And Bray Wyatt lost to Roman Reigns at Hell in a Cell. And that was nine months ago. So they were long overdue. For, they were long overdue for a big win over an established team like the New Day. And like I said, I was hoping maybe we would get a tag team title rematch next on the wall, but uh, on Raw. But Bray Wyatt's on SmackDown. Rowan's on SmackDown. Strowman's on Raw. They obviously want to push him as a single star. He wasted no time in changing up his image. Uh, but the New Day are on to bigger and better things. So a good way to cap off that feud. Rusev versus Zack Ryder for the U.S. title. Not much to say about the match. I thought it was all right for what it was. Zack Ryder had a good showing, but <clears throat> I was rooting for Zack Ryder. I honestly thought he might win. Not I was like, oh, he, he's going to win this. I, actually, I was saying that in the weeks <laughs> in the weeks leading up to him. Zack Ryder was my official pick to win the U.S. title here, but I wouldn't have been shocked if Rusev retained, and he did. Uh, but a good match. He had a good showing. He hit the Rough Rider on Rusev, went up top for the Elbrow. Rusev blocked it. Followed it up with the accolade to score the victory. And Zack Ryder should get fire before ultimately tapping out. Mojo Raleigh came out afterwards to make the save for Zack Ryder. And uh, to a pretty much flat reaction from the audience. Can't say I blame them. Even Washington, D.C. is not hyped, apparently. But uh, they had a brief face-off and thank God. Uh, presumably that is not leading to a future feud between the two. But rather just the uh, reunion of the uh, of the Hypros on the main roster, which I'm fine with. If they're not going to do anything with Zack as a singles guy on SmackDown, which I feel like they should and could at some point, and they might even, they might they would do that hopefully at some point. But uh, for right now, to put them in the tag team division with Mojo Raleigh, they're an all right team. Put them together, no complaints. After that, in my opinion, what was the match of the night? Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. And what more can be said about this match than is what than you know what has already been said already in my various reviews, what what other people have said. Man, I mean I've said time and time again that Dean Ambrose and Kevin Owens, or rather Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins have had my favorite feud in recent memory. Orton and Christian will always go down as one of, if not my favorite feud of all time as a wrestling fan. But uh, this feud, man, comes damn close. If Rollins and Ambrose don't take the cake, then these guys certainly do. With so much history dating back to Ring of Honor, to NXT, and just the video package was freaking great. And I love stories that, you know, continue on over time. That makes sense, you know, and, and they just never really stop. You can go back to it here and there. They're involved in the same matches. And that's exactly what this feud has been. Sami Zayn talked about how 
Kevin Owens did not win the Royal Rumble because of him. He eliminated KO from the Rumble. He lost his Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania because of Kevin, because of Sami Zayn. It was because of Sami Zayn that KO lost his IC title at WrestleMania. They cost each other the IC Championship in the weeks leading up to Extreme Rules and at Extreme Rules. It was because of Sami Zayn that Kevin Owens then become Mr. Money in the Bank. So this is a recurring theme here. And KO wanted to do away with the storm in the side once and for all by beating Sami Zayn into an oblivion at Battleground. So I thought early on it was kind of a slower pace, but they told a great story with, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was a botch. I was talking to someone the other day who said it wasn't or who thought it wasn't. I'm convinced it was when uh, Sami Zayn, he, you know, where he puts his butt on the ropes and he does like a dive overwards. It's kind of hard to explain, but it looked like his legs weren't all the way. He was he was pretty much sitting on the ropes and it caused him to collapse and fall on his shoulder. It looked like it was too scary of a spot to be planned. And obviously Owens worked over the shoulder throughout the rest of the match, a previously injured shoulder of Sami Zayn, so it really worked well into the story they were trying to tell anyway. Or maybe they did it on the spot. Either way, I thought it was great. Very smart booking. But um, it, it did not seem like it was planned, if only because... I feel like if it was planned, they would not attempt to do something so risky. Like, that did not look good. Uh, some slight miscommunication, if it was planned, could easily not only end the guy's career, but seriously injure him for a while, either his neck or his shoulder again, which would fuck up Sami Zayn's road to recovery, which he's had all year round. And But anyway, I thought the match itself was just phenomenal. Uh, a stellar story told. I thought the finish was fantastic. When you get a standing ovation during the match, and I know Solo Monster tweeted the same thing on Sunday, but when you get a standing ovation during the match, that's when you know you have a, a match of the year candidate right there. They had the same thing going for them at Extreme Rules, and I was there for that too. Between these two, Miz and Cesaro, still one of my favorite matches of the year, hands down, but I think this match has that match beat. Uh, like I said, phenomenal finish. Sami Zayn hits him with the uh, Haluva kick. Catches Owens before he falls to the ground, and I didn't really get the, get the sense that, oh, he feels bad for him, he feels compassionate, he's gonna let him off easy. That was the story that Cole and company were trying to relay. I didn't exactly get that feeling. Uh, maybe I'm the only one, but then he set him up again for another Haluva kick to put him away for the 1-2-3, his first ever uh, deciding clean victory over Kevin Owens. So, again, just two thumbs up of a, of a match. Easily a match of the year candidate. Probably the best match of the year, hands down, so far. I know that's kind of... It's saying a lot. I mean, Zayn and Nakamura was exceptional. Another match involving Sami Zayn, of course. Cena and Styles was also really, really good. But just everything about this match, from the build, to the story, to the in-ring action, to the finish... The drama, the emotion, everything that went into this match, to me, made it the perfect match and the undisputed match of the year so far in 2016. This was just unreal. So great stuff. And I would really have no complaints if they continued the feud beyond this point. They were not involved in the same Fatal 4-Way match on Sunday, or rather on Monday's Raw. So maybe they are truly trying to keep them apart going forward. But I would have no complaints if WWE wanted to continue this, going into SummerSlam and a loser leaves Raw match or whatever to give Owens his win back. Either way, this was just all around exactly what I love about pro wrestling. Natalia versus Becky Lynch up next. A fine match, but the crowd was obviously going to be dead coming off that, that hot, 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 hot match of Zayn versus Owens. So I was not surprised they were kind of a lot quieter for this match than they probably should have been. They had a better match on SmackDown. I'll talk about them momentarily. Natalia won clean, 
force Becky to tap out. And no, people, Becky's not getting buried. She's a sympathetic character. She got her win back on SmackDown. Stop thinking she got buried. I want Becky to win as much as the next person, but she's over. She needs momentum, obviously, but she's not being buried. If she was being buried, she wouldn't either A, be on TV, or be losing in two-minute matches on main event, which she's not. So get over yourselves, people. After that, for the Intercontinental Championship, Darren Young contending for the gold against The Miz. Kind of an underwhelming match. Not a bad match. I thought it was all right, but I think what killed it for me was a confusing-ass finish. Uh, so I don't know what happened. I think Darren Young hit one of his finishers, the gut buster, and then Miz rolled out of the ring, and then Maurice went up to Bob Backlund, and he went nuts, and she slapped him. He ripped off his overalls, or at least the shirt wearing that he was wearing underneath his overalls. A very odd sight, but albeit awesome at the same time. And then Young gets distracted. Miz gets distracted. They both go outside the ring. Miz goes outside the ring first, then Young, and then they call for the bell, and then Young locks him in a, on a weak-looking chicken wing, and then they say Miz got counted out. It was a really confusing match, and the worst part about it was that they didn't even announce that it was a count-out finish. They didn't even announce that one that Young won via count-out. I had to go on WWE social media page. I had to confirm that with their website after the match. Because uh, those are really the only results that matter. Unless WWE writes it themselves, you never really know who wins the match unless they put it on their website. So it was a while before I know for a fact, before I knew for a fact that uh, Young had won and Miz retained. But just a really weird finish. Maybe it was their way of protecting Darren Young. It looks like the feud's over. Um, it seemed like it wasn't based off how based off the finish here and the fact that um, Darren Young and Bob Backlund were talking on Raw backstage. In a way that it seemed like the feud wasn't over, but I don't have—I have zero idea how it can continue if Miz is on SmackDown and Young is on Raw. Unless Miz is the traveling champion, which I don't get the feeling he will be or is, then this was a pretty pointless finish. John Cena, Enzo Amore, and Big Cass taking on the club in a very entertaining six-man tag team match. Two, two thumbs up six-man tag team matches in the same night with New Day and Wyatt Family, and then these two trios—really good stuff. I don't know if I would have had John Cena pin Styles clean. I was not too hot on that, especially after I know I'm the only one who probably remembers this, or at least noticed this when it happened. Um, but Cena put AJ, put AJ. Well, I mean, he had an AAA on him earlier on. He had an AA earlier on in the match. He didn't kick out. I think Gallows or Anderson broke it up or something. So the AA that he hit on him later on was, I think, the second one, maybe the third, but I'm pretty sure it was the second, off the top rope. But it was only a mere year ago at the same event, Battleground 2015, that Cena beat Owens, or rather he hit Owens with three AAs, one being off the top rope, and Owens kicked out. Yet Styles gets hit with two, and he does not kick out of the second one, which I thought was a bit weird. So, again, they never expect us to remember that stuff. I highly doubt they remember that kind of stuff. I mean, it protected AJ to an extent in the fact that it, you know, I'm not, I don't think he's buried or he's lost credibility. I know he lost on SmackDown until he got pinned on SmackDown. He had the pinfall loss from Dolph Ziggler, but, um, he'll be just fine. I just thought it was weird that they had AJ get pinned and not Gallows or Anderson, considering that they're the ones that really aren't as high of a priority as AJ is, but still very good match. Nevertheless, the highlight reel up next, I thought was extremely entertaining and probably the best highlight reel that I've seen in some time, if not ever. And I mentioned this on Monday, probably the best highlight reel since June of 08 when Shawn Michaels got turned on by, uh, by Chris Jericho and they did the whole epic heel turn and he smashed his face into the Jericho on 5000. But this I thought was just great all around. Jericho 
without a doubt, has been freaking killing it this entire run since he came back in January. And even then, I know he was a baby face for like two or three months. Oh, he's stagnant. He's, you know, he's, he's stale. He sucks. People are saying when he came back. Dude, it was all a part of the plan. Jericho himself has said this. The guy's not an idiot. He knows. This guy is a master of... He knows exactly what he's doing. He does everything with a purpose, which is exactly why I love Jericho. He came back as this stagnant babyface doing all of his, you know, uh, all of his greatest hits, so to speak, like a Bon Jovi type deal or something, and uh, hitting all of his classic one-liners and doing all the same stuff he's been doing for the past four to five years, only to embark on one of the greatest heel runs I've seen in some time. The stupid idiot stuff I thought was great. Him and Orton have always had great chemistry on the mic, in the ring, as rivals, whatever. Uh, but I thought this was just really, really good. Uh, a great segment. Orton came out looking more motivated than ever. So when you have two motivated, entertaining characters, and two guys that aren't exactly fresh. Neither guy is fresh. Jericho's been around since 1999. Orton's been around since 2002. It's a match. It's a feud. It's a program we've seen 5,000 times over between Jericho and Orton. Yet they still manage to have one of the best things in the entire show in the form of this segment. So again, like I said, Jericho killing it as a heel. Orton comes out more motivated than ever before. And you're, obviously you're going to have a very hot segment. I thought Jericho here was great. Orton with the no enhancements and needed line that I included in the intro that will be a part of the intro going week and you know going forward every week. I thought it was uh, going forward every week rather. I thought it was a great line. It was scripted. It doesn't matter whether it was scripted or not. I know Cesaro's promo last week on Raw, pretty sure was not a shoot. It was a work shoot, if anything. But it doesn't matter whether it was real, fake, scripted, unscripted. It doesn't matter. It was a great line. So fucking, it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. And not only that, people are are going over the fact that. Uh, I know Orton was suspended. I understand that. Obviously, he knew that when he said it, or Jericho knew it when he scripted in the line. Jericho said on Talk is Jericho today, on, on Wednesday, rather, that he was the one that came up with the line to begin with. So, obviously, either either it was Jericho or Orton or whoever, they realized when Orton knew that he said it, when he said it, he probably had to know that it's hypocritical, it's double standards, because he himself has been, suspended, has been suspended by the company for violating the wellness policy. God knows how many times. You know, on record twice, but he's probably been suspended more than that because even before the uh, wellness policy went into effect a couple of years ago. So anyway, that aside, I thought it was a really great segment. Awesome line and made me even more excited for Orton versus Lesnar at SummerSlam. And then make it to the main event. Dean Ambrose taking on Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins on a triple threat match for the WWE World Championship. Not the WWE title, not the WWE World Heavyweight title, but rather the WWE World Championship, according to this company. So confusing, bear with me, but uh, an awesome match, really, really good match, met my expectations, if not exceeded them, all three guys had, you know, fantastic chemistry, as great of a chemistry as I thought they would in the ring, uh, I, I love the little touches, again, it's all about the storytelling for me, I love in-ring action as much as the next guy, but unless you have a good story, I'm not gonna care, and these guys told a sensational story, and again, I love the little touches, with Ambrose and Rollins putting Roman Reigns through a table at ringside, shades of the old shield, and then while Ambrose isn't looking, Rollins follows it up with a chair shot right to the back of the lunatic fringe. Again, great storytelling, great storytelling. Shades of when the shield debuted four years ago, and then shades of the shield split only two years after that, two years ago now. Uh, so I thought that was wonderful. The rest of the match held up very, very well. Roman Reigns hitting Superman punch after Superman punch after Superman punch. Hit at least five of them on Raw on Monday. It was getting to the point where it was a little ridiculous. A lot like with John Cena and the AAs on SmackDown. He had at least four or five attitude adjustments on SmackDown this past week. 
Uh, anyway, so in the end, Rollins gets knocked out to ringside. I think I'm pretty sure Reigns either speared him or hit a Superman punch on Rollins. He was out of the equation. Uh, Reigns turns around into a dirty deed from Ambrose, who pins Reigns for the clean one, two, three. A very surprising, albeit pleasantly surprising finish. And the right finish at that. Ambrose needed the win. He needed the win clean, and he needed to pin Roman Reigns. The guy's coming off a of suspension. He needs to pay his he needs to pay his dues all over again. This is does not mean they're pushing Roman Reigns. He's not being depushed. He's not being demoted. He'll be just fine. But I think humbling the guy, giving him a few more clean losses. He's not buried. He's not you know he he's not wrestling on superstars every week now. He's not a main event regular. When I say I when I say main event, I mean the show, not the main event scene. Uh, he, he'll be just fine. But I think doing stuff like this, and in addition to what we saw on Raw, was really refreshing. So, great match, great main event, uh, you know, great overall finish, very smart booking, the right finish, and overall, a really, really, really good show. Just one of those shows, when it ends, you go to sleep and you say to yourself, I am so happy to be a wrestling fan. Uh, just start to finish, in my opinion, the best pay-per-view that WWE has done all year. SummerSlam might top it with a card, They are currently uh, building for that event, but as of right now, as of this moment, Battleground, in my opinion, was the best pay-per-view WWE has done all year round, which is saying something, because we've had a lot of good pay-per-views, but I thought this one trumped them all. So, let's see how much time we have left. I feel like I spent a little bit more time on that show than I thought I would. Ooh, 31 minutes, so uh, I won't spend a hell of a lot of time in the next few reviews, but I do want to spend quite a bit of time on Raw and some on SmackDown. Probably not so much NXT. I'll mention NXT at the end in regards to what we're getting at Brooklyn in a few weeks at TakeOver. But Raw. So again, I alluded to this earlier in that we talked all about this on WWE EC Radio at the start of the year that WWE for years, dude, for years, they've been saying, oh, it's the reality era. It's the new this era. It's that era. It's the, this era, whatever. And it never really feels like anything changes. Maybe for a week or two, and who knows? Maybe they'll go back to doing the the same old crap, the same old shit starting next week. But I honestly don't think so. I feel like it was a, a step in the right direction to start doing stuff like this, where they change up the set, they change up the theme song, they change up the commentary team, they change up the placement of the commentary team, they put more emphasis on the in-ring action, on the storytelling, a uh, hell of a lot of less focus on a hell of a lot, you know, hell of a less you know, much less focused, rather, on the authority figures who only showed up in the opening segment. I thought this was great. Again, start to finish, the best draw all year, all year. I dare anyone to pinpoint me to, to point me to a better Raw this year than this. Honestly, like, we've had some really good episodes of Raw. We've had some really bad episodes of Raw. By and large, since Mania, the product has been pretty good, I would like to think. But a lot of those Raws were either good some of them being great, but most of them were pretty good. Uh, this one was pretty much perfect. And even the worst thing in the entire show, Enzo and Cass versus the Shining Stars, wasn't that bad. Maybe compared to everything else it was, but it wasn't that bad. I thought the Pokemon Go thing was funny. I laughed. I never thought I would laugh at something the Golden Truth did, but I found myself chuckling. Maybe it's just because the first two and a half hours of the show were so goddamn good. But uh, this was just start to finish really Exactly what they said it would be, the dawning of a new era. Calling it a new era is not enough. Switching up the set, switching up the commentary team, the graphics, the logo, the theme song, and especially, especially, you know, the overall feel of the show is huge. That has been a long time coming. 
So next week's show might have Stephanie in every single segment. But as long as they don't go back to what they were doing before, I know people don't like the logo. I don't love the logo either. I think it's not even better than the old one, but it's something different. It's something new, so I'm not going to complain. But uh, just they, they can't go back to the way things were. Like even the set, I know it looks like something straight out of SummerSlam 2012. But again, it's something freaking different. I'm not saying you need to appreciate it, otherwise you're not a wrestling fan. What I'm saying is that you can complain all you want. You won't find me complaining about the new set just because I've been clamoring about this for so long. I feel like I'd be a hypocrite if I said, oh, I wish the set was better. And I do wish it was better. But I'm just freaking glad that, you know, just to appreciate the fact that they're finally moving forward with this so-called new era. And I'm probably not even going to say so-called new era going forward because it really does feel like a new era. Both Raw and SmackDown combined made it feel like an all-new era in this company. And again, they've said it time and time again for years on end. I can name at least 10 different times in the past five years this company said, it's a new era. But how many times has it lived up to being a new era? Zero. It's always going back to the same old stagnant status quo. And this week, that was not the case. So again, to rehash, to kind of retread for a second, I thought the opening was great. I love the theme song. I don't think the SmackDown theme song is as good. It's called... Uh, another chance or something like that or some something along those lines by CFO Money, who are good. You know, they're the obviously the, the brains and uh, the instruments behind the Rollins theme song, the Ambrose theme song, pretty much every theme song that you know of in WWE right now that's instrumental, for, you know, for the most part. But um, I think they're not terrible, but I thought the theme they produced for SmackDown was just not nearly as good as the one they did for Raw. Enemies by Shinedown. I've never heard the song before. I really like Shinedown. They're a great band. So I thought that song was uh, a really good fit for the new Raw theme song. They did use an old Shinedown song for the old for the secondary theme for Raw. Like in between graphics and stuff. And uh, it was never the main theme. Like Tonight is the Night was obviously the main theme. Uh, but now we have Enemies by Shinedown. I think it's a great theme. I've rewatched the opening video package at least 10 times in the past couple of days. So anyway, that was good. I'm not typically a fan of having the authority figures in the ring to start off a show, only to address the roster at the top of the stage. But I didn't really have a problem with it here, just because as a casual, I mean, obviously I'm a quote-unquote hardcore fan, I'm a diehard fan, whatever. But I feel like as a new era, you need to reintroduce everybody. Like, And they did that throughout SmackDown, too, with every member of the six-pack challenge getting promo time to talk about what the... WWE Championship means to them, and we didn't exactly get that with this show. I mean, actually, we kind of did. We actually kind of did. When it came down to Finn Balor and Roman Reigns in the main event, we got video packages for both men throughout the night, which is, again, two thumbs up. Great booking, because you need to re-familiarize your casual audience. Obviously, Balor was a fresh face anyway, so you were going to do that for him regardless, but as thinking from it, you know, thinking about it from a casual fan's perspective... They blew up all of their storylines on Sunday. With the exception of probably Cena and Styles, they blew up every feud they had going. Maybe, obviously, Sasha and, and Charlotte, too. But even that, you can argue, started anew on Monday night with, you know, without Bailey, just Sasha, just Charlotte, and with the title on the line, which I'll get to momentarily, too. But uh, they, they needed to reintroduce people to the roster they had for, for both shows, and they did so effectively in the opening segment, leading to... Our first of two fatal four-ways on the show to crown a new number one contender to the WWE Universal Championship. So I'll give my thoughts on this now. And a lot of people have asked me what my thoughts are on the WWE Universal title. First of all, the name sucks. 
And if you if I'm saying something sucks, then it's got to suck. Not because my opinion is the be-all, end-all. But just because I'm generally optimistic when it comes to a lot of things. I know this show is called the WrestleRant Radio, but by and large, I like to praise. Not only do I like to praise, but I praise things I feel like are praiseworthy. And I'm optimistic about a lot of things. But I have no idea. I, I have nothing against the WWE Universal Championship concept. The concept of, of a world title for Raw, I'm fine with that. But the name sucks. Universal Championship sounds like something I would create in one of the SmackDown vs. Raw video games. And I'm sure I've created something like that before in the game. I'm sure someone has as well. I'm sure there's many people like that. If the belt design is okay, I'm content. You know what? I'll shut up as long as the belt design looks good. It doesn't look like a spinner belt or a butterfly belt or anything looking anything idiotic looking. I am completely against. But as long as the design of the belt is halfway decent, you won't hear another complaint out of me in regards to the name of the WWE Universal Championship. You can hold me to that if you want. But um, again, they wasted no time, literally no time, in creating a new world title for Raw, which you had to know was coming when the WWE world title got assigned to SmackDown after Battleground. So I was fine with that. So like I said, the first Fatal 4-Way of the night, Finn Balor, Rusev, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, really, really good match. These four guys had great chemistry. In the, in the end, it was Balor emerging victorious, advancing to the main event. Nia Jax making her Raw debut, beating Britt Baker in one-on-one action. The first female... You know, the first female local athlete I have seen on WWE TV in at least six or seven years. Honestly, I can't remember the last time we had female local athletes on Raw. We rarely have local athletes as it is on Raw. But I think bringing back the art of squash matches is brilliant. Because that's what got people over in the first place. Two decades ago, a decade ago, in the Attitude Era. More so in like the 90s and so, and even in the 80s, but... It's an art. It's a lost art form because having you know Nia Jax beat Alicia Fox or Summer Rae a match, you know we're gonna get a million times over anyway with that with the roster split in half. You know I'm completely fine with them putting you know her over in a squash match because they made her feel like more of a threat. And had she squashed someone I don't give a shit about, Alicia Fox or Summer Rae or whoever, not like I gave a crap about Britt Baker, but she comes across as more dominant because Britt Baker was a hell of a lot smaller than Nia Jax was. I still say that she's not ready. Um, I think she had good fire here, good aggression in this in this uh, quick squash match, which, again, love the idea of bringing back the squash matches. But uh, I think this, sh- this was short, sweet, effective, straight to the point. Thought it was good. Two thumbs up. Now, second fatal four-way of the match of the night with the winner advancing to the main event to face Finn Balor. We had Chris Jericho, Roman Reigns, Sheamus, and Sami Zayn in another great fatal four-way. Um, I enjoyed the opener a bit more, but this was also very, 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 very good. Um, all four guys worked well together. Again, like I said earlier, Roman Reigns went on a Superman punch rampage at one point, literally nailing all three guys with at least two punch, Superman punches each. Sami Zayn had a really good showing here. Jericho can, can, continues to kill it, like I said earlier. Sheamus is Sheamus. And Roman Reigns won in the end with a uh, by pinning, I think, Chris Jericho. I thought it was Sami Zayn, but I'm pretty sure it was Jericho. So Reigns and Balor are set for the main event. The club attacking the New Day after their uh, one year, not one year, but rather for breaking the, uh, their one year anniversaries after SummerSlam, but rather for breaking the record as the longest reigning WWE Tag Team Champions <clears throat> in company history. Not World Tag Team Champions, just WWE Tag Team Champions, dating back to the lineage, uh, the, the, it carries the lineage of the SmackDown titles that date back to 2002, not necessarily the 1975, 85, I forgot what decade it was. 
of the uh, lineage of the World Tag Team titles that were retired back in 2010. I know way more about this shit than I probably should, but that's just me being my inner, you know, channeling my inner wrestling nerd. But anyway, uh, good segment. I thought the uh, Sonny Boy thing was a bit weird. I didn't really understand what the purpose or comedy effect of that was, but I thought the club attacking New Day was good. Again, short, sweet, and to the point. It looks like we're getting club versus New Day at SummerSlam. I'm all for it. If there's any team to take the titles off New Day, it's certainly the club. I'd be fine if it was Enzo and Cass, personally, but um, I'm happy with the club being the you know, being the team to take the titles off of New Day. Neville versus Curtis Axel up next in a quick, uh, little quick enhancement match. Apparently, Curtis Axel's new gimmick is that he's Mr. Irrelevant, a gimmick I had no idea existed prior to this point. And apparently, if you're the last pick in the NBA draft, or I think it's the maybe only the NFL draft, but maybe the NBA draft, you were called Mr. Irrelevant. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, quick squash match, Neville won with the red arrow. Nothing really all that different about Neville other than the new Beardy sport now, but he is back after four months away. I thought it was cool that Michael Cole, uh, you know, Michael Cole noted how uh, he returned in the same building he got hurt in four months ago. So fun fact for you there. They just got to do something with the guy. They got to do more with Neville. I mean, I'm kind of worried that they might, they probably won't. And I'm okay with the fact that if he gets relegated to the Cruiserweight division, just because they have so many good mid-carters on the show. You have Cesaro, Owen, Zane, Jericho, that I don't know where a guy like Neville would fit in at this point. But if they make him the face of the Cruiserweight division, which they said is coming soon, by the way, they didn't really give us a set timetable for when the division's coming back. I'm okay with that. At least they're doing something with him, you know? At least he's, you know, being utilized in a meaningful manner, and he's honing his craft, and he's showcasing his skills as opposed to being wasted on superstars or main event or whatever in random-ass matches against Stardust every week. So this was all right. Sasha Banks versus Charlotte for the WWE Women's Championship. Wow. Um, in my opinion, the greatest main roster women's match of all time. Honestly, pinpoint me, point me to a better match, a better women's match in WWE's history. Not like in the last 10 years, not in the last five years. We've had a lot of great main roster women's matches in the past year since Lynch, uh, Lynch, Charlotte, and Sasha arrived in the main roster. You know, notwithstanding the awful, awful, awful Diva Revolution 6 women tag team matches. But this was the best of the bunch, hands down. I have no issue with them putting the belt on Banks on Raw as opposed to SummerSlam. That was the way that I would have booked it. That's the way a lot of people thought it was going, the direction they were taking, but apparently not, and I can't fault them for it because they really wanted to go all out on the show, and what better way to go all out with a new era than crowning a new champion on the first Raw of the new era. So, in that respect, I had no issue with it, and the match itself was phenomenal. The only real gripe I probably had against the match was the fact that Sasha should not be doing, you know, unnecessary dives. I know a lot of people can agree, and I know other people have talked about it, how Big E's spear or slash dive to the floor through the ring apron, through the uh, ring ropes in pay-per-view matches. He doesn't really do it on Raw. It's mostly during pay-per-view matches. It's so unsafe and so fucking reckless <clears throat> that he needs to stop doing it. And I think, not that, not that Sasha needs to stop doing you know, uh, suicide dives or anything, but this one just did not come off too great. She's still connected with it, but it looked like she almost broke her neck, so thank God she's okay. Uh, in the end, Dana Brooke got booted from ringside halfway through, so we were treated to a really, really good match between Sasha and Charlotte that did not have any interference from Dana whatsoever. Sasha pulling an Eddie Guerrero and pretending that Dana hit her with a belt, so solid, you know, homage to, uh, homage, homage to the, uh, 
leader of Latino Heat. Good shit there. In the end, Sasha for- forcing uh, Charlotte to tap out to the bank statement, statement to crown a new WWE Women's Champion. Again, great match. Not even a great match. An amazing match. And I'm not blowing smoke up their asses. I'm not blowing smoke up WWE's ass. Again, I dare you. Point me to a better main roster women's match that uh, that in the, in the company's history that was better than this. Honestly, like I could argue maybe the triple threat match from WrestleMania between Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte. But other than that... Even the Lita and Trish matches, they had one of the the greatest women's feud in, in uh, WWE history, but their matches were good. Some of them were really good. None of them were great. None of them were really that great. Honestly, I know people remember Lita and Trish main eventing Raw. That was a really good match, but not nearly as good as this. Promise you. I promise you. Uh, and especially at this point with our new era, there is no... You know, no doubt in my mind, especially after we've had contract signings from the women before in the main event of Raw, both, you know, this year, last year, the even the year before that with Stephanie and Bray, they will main event an episode of Raw at some point. The women will main event an episode of Raw, you know, especially with the with the brand split being back. I have zero doubt, no doubt in my mind at this point, they will have the women main event an episode of Raw sooner rather than later. But as far as this match goes, just tremendous stuff from both women. And congrats to the boss for becoming the new WWE Women's Champion. So what's next for the boss? I'd imagine she faces Charlotte in a rematch at SummerSlam. Do not call up Bailey next week. Do not do Sasha and Bailey at SummerSlam. That's a money match waiting to happen. Do not. There's no need to rush into that right now. Just do Charlotte, Sasha, one-on-one. Add a little stepperoo if you want. Make it last woman standing. A ladder match would be pretty damn cool. But um, at any rate, I thought this was just great shit. And this is far from the peak of the women's division in WWE. It's only getting started. After that, another squash match. Old school, traditionally done, with uh, Braun Strowman squashing James Ellsworth with him cutting a promo prior to the bat. Well, I think it was with Byron Saxon. You know, before the bout, squashing this guy, talking to him about what the match meant against Braun Strowman. So really good stuff there. Again, something that you do not ordinarily see on this show. Different is good. And some people don't appreciate different. They don't appreciate the little things. But it's this type of stuff for me that make the show that much better. Because when was the last time you saw an enhancement talent? No, nay, a jobber. This guy was a fucking jobber. He was not a Zack Ryder level guy. This guy was a fucking jobber. When was the last time you saw a jobber get Mike Type on Raw? Other than when like Ryback's opponents were talking before his matches just as a way to get heat. And that was four years ago. Other than that, I could not tell you the last time a jobber spoke on Raw. So I thought this was great. Braun Strowman, I'm still not sold on just yet as a singles guy, but this was impressive for the time he was given. The for intro for his theme song is a bit much, but uh, maybe I'll grow accustomed to it over time. Who knows? But uh, I thought this was fine, short, sweet, and effective, which was pretty much the theme throughout the entire show. I already spoke my piece on Enzo and Cass versus uh, the Shining Stars. I thought it was all right. Pokemon Go thing, again, I got a chuckle out of me. It got a chuckle out of me just because it's culturally relevant and it was funny. I thought it was a bit stupid, silly, whatever, but I thought it was funny and you can't go wrong with Enzo and Gas. In the main events, the much-talked-about main event from this episode's, from this week's episode of Money Net Raw, Finn Balor and Roman Reigns, baby, the winner advancing to SummerSlam to face Seth Rollins for the WWE Universal Championship, the inaugural WWE Universal Champion. Great match. Uh, you could say Roman Reigns sucks you could say you can't wrestle but you'd be dead wrong i know i know i know i'm i'm slightly hypocritical here because i was among the many in the um 
what was the name of the arena? The arena that I went to for Extreme Rules. Uh, the, uh, not the IZOD Center. God damn it, I forgot it already. But when I was there for Extreme Rules, I was among the majority that did chant, you can't wrestle at Roman Reigns or you still can't wrestle. It was funny. I did it for a comedic effect, not because I actually meant it. Maybe I'm the minority there, but anyway. Um, the guy can go. The guy can go. I can name at least 10 breakout great matches that Roman Reigns has had in singles competition in the past two years. Randy Orton, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Big Show even, the guy had a great match with him, Brock Lesnar, the list goes on and on and on, AJ Styles a few months ago. Uh, So you really can't go wrong with the Roman Reigns big main event matchup feel. And again, the video package, the brief little interaction between the two prior to their match, I thought was just great. Again, it's the little things that make the biggest differences in my opinion. Great match, capped off with a clean victory. Yes, I said that correctly, and you heard me correctly. A clean victory from the Demon. Not necessarily the Demon, I guess. I shouldn't say that. It was just purely Finn Balor. Over Roman Reigns to advance to SummerSlam to face Rollins to determine the new and first ever WWE Universal Champion. So, wow, that took me by surprise for a fact, man. That was just something else. That was something else indeed. I mean, it's not often you see Roman Reigns get beat clean. I know he lost clean at SummerSlam, or rather at um, Battleground, at Money in the Bank. Hey, don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. Unless you want your plans to be fixed, because I feel like, and I've said this on Twitter, I said this to a few people in the last couple days, I said it on the Cruise Control podcast, Roman Reigns getting suspended was the best thing to happen to programming. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. I feel like if Roman Reigns did not get suspended, I mean, obviously it would have benefited the belt for... Uh, Benefited the build for the Shield Triple Threat at SummerSlam, but I guarantee you it still would have been Rollins and Reigns at SummerSlam for the world title. But because Reigns fucked up, he got pinned to Battleground, he got pinned clean at Money in the Bank, and he just got pinned clean again. So in the last three of the last four matches that this guy's had, and I'm counting the one match he had with Rollins on Raw before he left, he has been beaten clean three out of those four times. That's more times he's been being clean. In a matter of a month, and he has been his entire four-year stint in WWE, which blows my freaking mind. But, uh, wow, just, again, great match. The right finish. Balor is headed to SummerSlam, baby, where yours truly will be in attendance to see a Balor-Rollins one-on-one first time ever for the WWE Universal title. So I'm still not sold on the name of the title, but the match, the, it, the match itself should be nothing short of just exceptional. First time ever, like I said, I'm just a huge proponent of doing something new. So they made stars on this show, people. They made new stars, people, on this show in the form of Finn Balor, Sasha Banks, Nia Jax. Even the club made a statement. Neville came back. Um, Just a lot of stuff done right. In my opinion, a near-perfect show, if not a perfect show. Uh, Easily my favorite episode of Raw of the year today, if not of all time. Because, again, I've been petitioning, I've been bitching and whining and moaning about this for months and even years, that the show needed a new set, needed a new voice, needed a new aura, a new feel, and they gave us that on Monday night. So now the question turns to, can they do this every week? Do I expect them, or should they even, do fatal four-way matches every week? No. Should they do title changes every single week? Absolutely not. But, 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 if they can fill out the three hours with squash matches, solid storyline progression. And, I mean, they filled the three hours very nicely. And that was with two four-way matches featuring eight of their best wrestlers on the roster. 
So imagine next week when we get longer matches from guys like Zayn versus Jericho or Sheamus and Cesaro. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I feel like it's going to go a long way in making this match or making this show even better. So here's hoping they can keep up the strong streak of great shows and major momentum in the weeks to come for Monday Night Raw. So unfortunately, we do not have that much time left. I do want to keep this show at an hour. Like I said, I do want to keep it limited to an hour so I can't go as in-depth with the SmackDown review as I want to. Obviously, like I said earlier, that will change next week. So no NXT review. Like I said, uh, spoiler alert, Joe versus Nakamura has been confirmed for TakeOver Brooklyn. We pretty much all expected it, but it was a great announcement nevertheless. We'll talk about NXT next week. I know we had a Battleground review to talk about, so that kind of took away from a lot of the time from the Raw and SmackDown reviews this week. But at any rate, I thought the show was good. Not nearly as good as Raw. Who won the Raw this week? Who won the War this week? Easily Raw by a long shot. Not even close. But SmackDown was still good. I think it was still good. You had a couple good matches. You had a really good match from Becky and Natalya, better than the Battleground match. I thought Rhino coming back was cool. I mean, not entirely shocking. It was... Rumored slash reported last week that he had signed a new deal with the company. Kurt Hawkins should be back any day now, too. Jinder Mahal, I heard, was coming back. Who gives a fuck about Jinder Mahal? I honestly have no desire to see this guy back in the company. And here's hoping that's not the case. Um, it probably will be the case. It's just changing, cha- you know, channel-changing material for me. Unless he changes up his gimmick or something, I just could not care less about Jinder Mahal being back in this company. But at any rate, though, um, I thought, you know, uh, just a good show overall. Shane and Daniel Bryan announcing a six-pack challenge for the main event. A really, really good main event that was won by Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler, yes, in 2016, is the number one contender to the WWE World Championship. And again, I don't mean to sound sarcastic or condescending. I'm actually happy. I like the move. I thought he was the least likely out of everyone to win. Um, so that made it shocking, especially when he pinned Styles clean to win. It's not like he stole the victory. He didn't roll anyone up. He hit AJ with a super kick, pinned him clean to become the new number one contender. So if they were looking for shock value, they got it with Dolph Ziggler winning. Now, the next step is turning the guy heel. And I've said this for almost a year now, that Ziggler is at his best as a heel. He is just so, so super stagnant as a babyface right now, character-wise. Still a great wrestler, as great as ever in the ring, but he needs a new character. The show-off thing, even that, even if he went back to being a heel, he can't do the show-off thing forever. It just feels... Like upper mid-card fodder to me. It feels like it, it, mid-card for life is what I think of when I hear the show off. But anyway, a really good main event. Dolph Ziggler is headed to SummerSlam for the WWE World Championship. And again, I thought it was a really cool move. Cena and Styles will obviously continue their feud, hopefully. Corbin and Cruz. It would have been cool to see either one of those guys win. But they're in a different position than Finn. Because I feel like, yes, they're fresh faces. But at the same time, I feel like people are like, oh, Cruiser Corbin in the main event or in a world title match at SummerSlam so soon. So soon? Yeah. Like maybe at some point later on in the year or early next year. But by this point, they're just not ready. Ziggler, however, is an established name. He's been around for over a decade. And he can always be counted on for a good main event level push. Do I expect his push to be sustained this time? probably not. I feel like I'm putting more faith into the company than I want to and thinking that they'll actually do right by him this time. But who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us and put the belt on him. Who knows? I think it'd be cool if they did. Give the guy one more run as WWE Champion. Technically, he's only been World Heavyweight Champion. So if he won the WWE title from Ambrose at SummerSlam, it'd be his first ever reign with that specific championship. And I think, it could look, I, I think it would look good around him if Dolph Ziggler was the new WWE World Champion. So again, I like the move to put the... Uh, to put the spotlight on Ziggler for a change, good shit. I've never really... I mean, I've always liked Dolph Ziggler. I haven't been given a reason to care about him in a long time. That 
They have finally given him a reason, given me a reason rather, and the masses, more importantly, that care about this guy and winning the main event of SmackDown. So as long as it doesn't cut a horrible promo next week on SmackDown and the contract signing with Ziggler, I'm all on board for that match at SummerSlam. As for the rest of the show, like I said, The Miz hosting Miz TV with Orton led to a subsequent match between the two. Kind of disappointing. Orton beat Miz in a matter of minutes. Um, so maybe they're holding off in Orton's first you know, full-length match until SummerSlam. We had Cruz winning a battle royal. And to me, what was the highlight of the night? And also, Heath Slater had a really good promo before Rhino uh, came back. And I thought that was cool, too. I had to mention that. But to me, undoubtedly, even a bigger highlight than Ziggler winning the main event. On his way back to the WWE is one Shelton freaking Benjamin, baby. And I know this has been rumored. A lot of people have been speculating. And I've been saying forever that uh, with the brand split coming back and they were contacting all names, as soon as I heard that, the first name that came to mind was Shelton Benjamin. So much untapped potential. And when I say that, I'm not thinking, oh, put the world title on him tomorrow. He can be a really good mid-card guy. Not to say that he can't be a main event level guy in 2016, but they really should focus on the stars they have with the Crews and the Corbins and the Zigglers and the Styles and Wyatts and Cena's. I have no idea what's next for Wyatt, by the way. Not like I really care at this point. I've asked that question a million times. I never really get a substantial answer, but that is the WWE for you. Anyway, though, um, Benjamin is coming back to WWE. Could not have been happier. I saw the video package. I lost my voice. Not really, but I did die of markouditis for a solid five, ten, you know, five to ten minutes. Just because he was the one guy I wanted to see back more than anyone for the brand split. Him in addition to maybe Mr. Kennedy, MVP, Galito, John Morrison. I know he's under contract to Lucha Underground right now. But maybe when that's done next year, he can come on back to the SmackDown brand as a top guy. Who knows? But um, I love it. Either Whether he's on his own, going after the IC title, he's bringing in Charlie Haas, and they're doing the world's greatest tag team. Who knows? But either way, this guy will be you know a perfect fit for a rather thin roster on Tuesday nights for SmackDown. Speaking of which, I'm sure this whole Heath Slater angle, and by the way, people, Heath was not buried on on Tuesday night. He was not buried when he got speared by Rhino. Give me a fucking break. It's all a part of the storyline. I'm sure he'll be back next week. He'll be back on Raw. He'll be, it'd be sick if he showed up on Main Event, which I know tapes weeks in advance, and they probably already taped all their episodes until TakeOver, but still, maybe after SummerSlam, they can bring him on, uh, they can bring him on NXT as a free agent, that'd be pretty funny, also considering the fact that people go to NXT to rejuvenate their careers, and even if William Regal said no to him, that'd be pretty funny, and they brought in another free agent for NXT, but, uh, I think it will lead to a new person coming back every week, and maybe Kurt Hawkins next week, Jinder Mahal, MVP, perhaps? That'd be pretty sick. I know in the same report I read that Benjamin was coming back. MVP was on his way back, too. I know he's going on Twitter to deny the fact that he's coming back, but he seems like the type of person to work the internet, and he's not going to outright say, oh, yeah, I'm coming back, and he's not going to admit to the rumors. I know Benjamin's uh, report was true, so hopefully MVP's is, too, and I would love to see the uh, the most balling superstar in SmackDown history back on the blue brand in time for the brand split. So maybe we see him next week, but, uh, yeah, either way... What was I getting to? Oh, yeah, the SmackDown thin roster. So if they keep on adding those kind of guys, like the MVPs, the Kennedys, the John Morrisons, the Carlitos of the world, in addition to building up the stars they already have and, you know, seasoning guys like Baron Corbin, Galisto, Apollo Crews, SmackDown could have as good of a roster, if not a better roster, than Raw. And Raw is going to be tough to beat. And I love the competition between the two shows. I, I know we're running out of time here, but I love the fact that Raw and SmackDown feel like legit rivals. 
uh, for the first time in many, 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 many years. And that goes without saying. I feel like it makes the shows even better when you have two separate writing teams. The SmackDown guys are saying, oh, we want to be better than Raw. We want to prove that we're on the same level as Raw. And Raw's saying, you know what? People are, I mean, a lot of people are on Team SmackDown, but we're going to prove to them why three hours really isn't that bad. So when you have that competition, it's only going to enhance each brand. So two thumbs up. I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of the brand split brings. So that was Battleground, that was Raw, that was SmackDown. I apologize for a lack of NXT review this week. Uh, We will be back next week with an NXT review in addition to much more. But basically what I'm saying is, and I talked about NXT last week here on the show, but uh, next week there is no pay-per-view. We're not doing SummerSlam predictions for another two, three more weeks, I think, three weeks from today. So uh, stay tuned for that. We should be having another guest. And I think Clark, at Clark Mora on the Twitter machine, will be on the show next week to help me break down Raw and SmackDown Live, so I can't wait for that. And on, uh, you know, special occasions like this, I'm recording the show on a Wednesday as it is right now just because I'll be gone all Thursday. So while you're listening to this on Thursday, I am out. I'm at Lake Compounds in Connecticut. Come visit me. Just kidding. But that'd be kind of creepy. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, though. So when I do record shows on Wednesdays after NXT, I did watch NXT. I've yet to watch the Cruiserweight Classic. I watched the first match, which was really good, by the way, between Zack Sabre Jr. and uh, Tyson Dukes. But uh, when I get to reviewing the show, uh, you know, I'll probably continue to record on Thursdays. I think I'm working nine to four or eleven to four next week, next Thursday, next Thursday, and I'll be around on Wednesday. So I might record the show next Wednesday afternoon and have it up on Wednesday night, even though the show is technically up on th- going up on Thursdays. I might have it, uh, you know, have the show up a day early. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, that will be the format of the show going forward, talking all about Raw, SmackDown, NXT when I can talk about it. If I'm not recording the show, you know, uh, you know, before the fact, before the show airs on the WWE Network. And, of course, the monthly pay-per-view predictions. And I forgot to talk about this, too, but they are having, it's been confirmed, uh, dual-branded, or not dual-branded, but uh, separate pay-per-views were on SmackDown. Backlash has been confirmed for September the 11th in, I forgot what city, but... Uh, Backlash is back, so a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And I look forward every single Thursday to breaking it down with you guys right here on WrestleRant Radio. So before we wrap it up, all the shameless plugs into one, I'll try to uh, zip through them here. But like I said earlier at the start of the show, be sure to check out my exclusive podcast with the always entertaining Randy Cruz on the Cruise Control Podcast. Check out his Twitter, check out my Twitter for the link. Great time talking to him for over an hour, just as just about as long as this show, talking Raw, SmackDown, Battleground, SummerSlam, and everything else going forward. So check out that podcast. Like I said, the link is either on my Twitter, his Twitter, or both. I believe his Twitter handle, to correct myself from earlier, is Randy J. Cruz. Not Randy Cruz, not RJ Cruz. I'm pretty sure it's Randy J. Cruz. So just to correct myself from earlier. Uh, plug that, check out the website, this very website that you listen to the show on right now. New episodes of WrestleRant Radio are up every single Thursday, if not earlier, but for a fact, every Thursday. Be sure to share the show, you know, uh, share the show on Twitter, social media, spread the word, get more people listening to the show. The more people listen, more, maybe the longer the shows get, probably not, but, uh, the more feedback we get, the more, you know, the, I, I appreciate it pretty much every ounce of feedback you guys send my way regards to the show and other stuff i appreciate every thank you every i enjoyed this i enjoyed that we get it on facebook we get it on twitter we get in the youtube comments all that kind of stuff means the absolute world i think you guys have zero idea zero idea how much it means to me so thank you for that once again and uh last but not least follow me on all the social media links people follow along on the twitter machine if you haven't already be sure to hit that follow button 
on Twitter.com at WrestleRant. If you haven't already, obviously. Check out the Facebook page. Give the page an old thumbs up at Facebook.com backslash Matthews. And also, like I said earlier, check out the YouTube channel. Be sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe on all those videos. And subscribe to the channel as well. Like I said, you know, I said it twice. It's so nice. Gotta say it twice. The channel is just that nice. Videos going up every single day. Day. How many channels can say they've done that for you? Other than WWE's, there's not many YouTube channels out there, people, that upload daily. But mine does. I'm a workhorse, baby. That's what I do. I do it for the people. I do it for you guys. So be sure to subscribe and check out the show, WrestleRant Radio, like I said earlier. Again, it's so nice. Gotta say it twice. Every Thursday right here on NextAirWrestling.net. In addition to my live reviews of Raw, SmackDown, and my other reviews of Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Superstars, Main Event, NXT... Lucha Underground, when the show comes back in the fall, hopefully, whenever it comes back, maybe in the winter. Uh, all that stuff, all the reviews are up in the columnist corner, in addition to the rare articles presented by at GNAP's Ring Wrap, my brother John, my brother RJ, my brother Mike Yoder, uh, all those great guys on the Twitter machine. Be sure to follow them as well. John is going to SummerSlam with me. I believe Mr. Yoder is SummerSlam bound as well. RJ will probably be working SummerSlam weekend. So he will not um, be at SummerSlam, unfortunately. Boo! Be sure to tweet him a lot of hate mail for not going to SummerSlam and not witnessing this near-perfect card that will probably consist of, will, will definitely consist of at this point, Lesnar and Orton, Cena and Styles probably, New Day and Club probably, definitely Dolph Ziggler versus Dean Ambrose for the WWE World title, and Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Universal Championship. So you can't go wrong with a show like that and take over that Saturday Oh, man, there's just so much to get excited about right now in the world of wrestling, and I can't wait to talk all about it for the remainder of the summer right here on the show and beyond. Obviously, the show's not ending at the end of August. We're continuing on that, you know, beyond that point, but I freaking love the summer season of wrestling, and this summer season for WWE and the entire wrestling world has been no exception. So on that fantastic note, guys, be sure to, as always, support the show. Send your love my way, and my love goes your way. Have a great week. I'm Graham Jason Matthews. I'll catch you right back here on WrestleRant Radio for an all-new episode next Thursday, and I'll catch you folks down the road.